Innal hamdalillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuh wa nastaghfiruhu wa nasta'hdihi wa natubu ilayhi wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyiati a'malina may yahdihillahu fala mudhillalah wa may yudhlilhu fala hadiyalah wa ashhadu an la ilaha illallahu wahdahu la sharika lah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan 'abduhu wa rasuluhu أرسله الله بالهدى بشيرا ونذيرا وداعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا أما بعدك يا عباد الله أوصي نفسي وأوصيكم بتقوى الله عز وجل قال الله تبارك وتعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وأنتم مسلمون وبعد Indeed all praises and thanks are due to Allah سبحانه وتعالى we thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we praise Him because to Him belongs all praises and thanks. And we testify to the fact that none has the right to be worshipped but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is alone and has no partners. And we testify to the fact that Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was His true servant and final messenger. Whose teachings, whose guidance, whose way of life are what we're commanded to follow if we want felicity and happiness in this life and happiness in the life to come. And in this blessed moment of this day of Jumu'ah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with the best in this world, the best in the hereafter, and protect us and our families from the hellfire. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Allah, there's a lot of discussion going on these days about different types of epidemics and calamities that has struck and is striking. And among those epidemic is the one that we always hear about anytime we turn on the news today, the coronavirus. And this virus we know that was identified a few weeks ago, maybe over a month ago, in the city of Wuhan, China. We know that this was something that they found that was plaguing the society. Additional cases have been found many places in the world. And it is reported that as of now, there is no vaccine to prevent this virus. And studies are going on to learn more about what's going on and what's happening in order to control it. We see that some Muslims are saying that the origination and the spread of this coronavirus in China is a divine punishment for those who have done wrong to the Muslims in Uyghur. We should, as Muslims and as a Muslim community, we should try to avoid these sweeping statements because it would not fit well in presenting Islam to others. You see, such remarks portray Islam in such a negative way and may take people of other faiths farther away from the true understanding of what Islam correctly teaches. So then how should we as Muslims react to such a situation? How should any epidemic, any calamity be viewed from an Islamic perspective? And this is inshallah the topic that I would like to speak about in this khutbah today. Many countries, rather many centuries before the advancements of modern science, Islam talked about the importance of cleanliness. And in our previous khutbah by Shaykh Bassam last week, he spoke about how the rules and regulations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are set so that it is, it's beneficial to each and every individual. The rules and legislations are set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because He knows what is best for you and what is best for I. 
there's nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made mandatory except it's to benefit us. And there's nothing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that says that it is haram except that that is some harm for us. And that is why we find that there is cleanliness spoken about, hygiene, consumption of halal food, even the idea of quarantine and many other things are vital to the prevention of the spread of any sorts of virus and epidemic. Only if we as Muslims become reasonable and the showcase the and showcase these teachings of what Islam really teaches through wisdom, many people will be attracted to this religion through our actions. Let us, for example, share the scientific benefits of eating halal food. Because treating our bodies with wholesome food free of harmful ingredients, germs, toxins, pollutants, filth, is not only desired by Muslims but by the whole society, by the whole of humanity. Everyone can benefit from the understanding of what is halal food and the consumption of what is halal. Let us also share the scientific benefit of the halal way of slaughtering an animal. The halal way preserves the link between the heart and the brain because when you slaughter the animal, the heart beats until all the blood has flown out of the body. All that blood is flown out of the body and it is drained out and the meat is left without contaminations. By slaughtering the animal in a non-halal way, the blood does not drain out of the animal's body and it is left as some impurities is still there. This clotted blood ruins the freshness of that meat and becomes the cause of multiple illnesses that that very meat can when it is slaughtered in a halal manner, can be beneficial for us. It is our faith, my dear brothers and sisters. It is our faith that nothing happens without the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nothing can take place except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it to happen and He's full aware that it is happening. Let us not forget that the virus is also a creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He may use it at his will. It can be a trial for those who are patient or a punishment for those who transgress above the boundaries of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let us be more mindful of our creator Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If it was not for his mercy, things could quickly and easily and right away, mankind could be destroyed. But alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy prevails over his wrath. As the hadith Qudsi tells us, When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created and decreed this creation to happen, he wrote in his book that is with him, My mercy prevails over my wrath. My mercy prevails over my wrath. It was more than 1400 years ago that Umm al-Mu'mineen, the mother of the believer Aisha radiallahu anha, asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam about plague, ta'un, an epidemic disease that caused high mortality. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam replied, it is a punishment that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends upon whoever he wills. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made it 
a mercy for the believer. Any servant who resides in a land afflicted by plague, remaining patient and hopeful in the reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, knowing nothing will befall him but what Allah has decreed, he will be given the reward of martyrdom, of a shaheed. And then he sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, the plague is a calamity that was sent to Banu Israel or upon those who came before us. If you hear of it in some land, do not go there. And if you are in it, you do not flee from it. And the hikmah behind this is immense. By the way, there was not this type of plague in the time of the Prophet This exact hadith was mentioned by the Prophet but a plague, a virus like this did not take place in his time. Rather, 18 Hijrah, there was a plague that took place. And Amir al-Mu'mineen Umar bin Khattab he actually sent out the orders based on this hadith that no one should leave or come in because quarantine is part of our deen. What has happened? You leave a certain area, the virus spreads from this part of the world to that part of the world. Whether we may try to control it or not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has His way of protecting it, but we try our best. And this is what the Prophet is telling us. If you're in it, you try your best to control it. You try your best to take care of it and quarantine it. Take care of it. And do not flee that area in the sense that do not spread it anywhere else. Although these hadith are just about plague, the rules can be applied to the very things that we're talking about today. Diseases, viruses, and the outbreak of the coronavirus is one of them. So what do we as believers do? As Muslims, we should not panic. We should stay calm and place our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu said, everything has a reality. And the servant would not reach the true reality of faith until he knows that what afflicted him could never miss him. Meaning what was meant for you would never miss you. And that which was meant to miss you could never afflict you. In other words, a true believers know and understand that what was meant for me was never meant to miss me. And what was meant to miss me would never get to me. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much I want it or don't want it, what was meant for me will always happen. Also, we must read our adhkar that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. Every evening and the morning, if we read these adhkar, these remembrance, these adhkar that the Prophet ﷺ told us to read every morning and every evening, will be under Allah's protection against all kinds of harm, such as magic, evil eye, diseases, and sickness. These adhkar, like they're like a fortress. They're a protector for the ones that recite them. They're a protector for the believer. There's a hadith that tells us there is no one who says in the morning of every day and the evening of every day three times, saying that three times, nothing will harm him. What is the meaning of this hadith? It is a true essence of tawakkul. It is the true essence of putting our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're saying, in the name of Allah, with whose name nothing can harm on earth or in the heavens, He is the all-hearer and the all-knowing. You're putting your trust in Allah. 
بسم الله الذي لا يضر مع اسمه شيء في الأرض ولا في السماء وهو السميع العليم you're putting your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and your true tawakkul in him this is one of the great athkar that the Muslims that you and I should recite every morning and every evening three times so that he and each and every one of us could be protected against being struck by sin or random calamities out there you see the Prophet ﷺ has taught us many things that are authentic and all of the hadith and the du'as that I will be saying in the khutbah today are all authentic hadith back to the Prophet ﷺ. Let us utilize them and practice them and put them in our lives. You see, the Prophet ﷺ also reported and he said, Say, Kul huwa Allahu ahad, Surah Al-Ikhlas, and Al-Mu'awwidatayn, Surah Al-Falaq and Surah Al-Nas, three times every morning and evening, every evening and morning, and they will suffice you against everything. Three times in the morning, three times in the evening. And this will suffice them against everything. Abu Darda radiallahu an said, Whoever says in the morning seven times that Whoever says seven times, Allah is sufficient for me. There is no God but He. In Him have I put my trust, and He is my Lord of the mighty throne. Allah will be sufficient for Him against anything which concerns Him, whether He is true or false in repeating them. In other words, you say them, you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect, will protect you. A lot of times when it comes to that du'as, and the way the Prophet ﷺ taught us them, they're very small, they're very short, it doesn't take too much time. You have to put your yaqeen, your, your full conviction in it that Allah is going to answer my dua, and you will find that your dua will be accepted. You see, Abdullah ibn Umar said that the Prophet ﷺ never failed to say these supplication when the morning came and when the uh, evening came. And you would find that there's certain supplication he would say, for example, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyah fi dunya wal-akhirah. Oh Allah, I seek your well-being, afiyah, in this world and in the hereafter. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afu wal-afiyah fi dini wa dunyaya wa ahli wa mali. That you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness and you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for well-being and faith in your livelihood, in your family, and in your wealth. These are du'as, my dear brothers and sisters. As I mentioned earlier, they're like a fortress for a believer. They're a protector for a believer. And yes, there is a little booklet. It's called the Fortress of the Believer. It has many of these athkar in them. Let us try to pick it up. Let us try to utilize them and practice them and put them in our lives. They are small du'as. And they are very effective once we do what? They're connected to the Prophet that the Prophet authentically said them. We know for a fact that these are all authentic hadith and du'as of the Prophet We know for a fact that you have to have yaqeen when you're making your du'a. And you save them out of conviction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will answer your du'a. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to put, let us put our trust in Him and Him alone. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show us truth is truth and help us to follow it. And show us falsehood is falsehood and help us to stay away from it. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa lisa'iril muslimina min kulli dhan fa astaghfiru innahu al-ghafur rahim.
الحمد لله على فضله وإحسانه وشكره على توفيقه وامتنانه وشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله دائلا رضوان أما بعد It was reported that Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakra said to his father Oh my father I hear you making the dua every morning saying Allahumma aafini fi badani Allahumma aafini fi sam'i Allahumma aafini fi basari la ilaha illa ant This young boy, this young son went to his father and said Oh my father, I hear you every morning saying this dua and you repeat it three times in the morning you repeat it three times in the afternoon So why do you say this? He said, Oh my son I heard the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam making these du'as, these very words and I like to follow the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And what does it mean? Oh Allah, grant me soundness in my body and oh Allah, grant me soundness in my hearing, in my sight and testifying that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. One of the du'a of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he used to say, Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the withdrawing of your blessing. Min zawali ni'matik. Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from the withdrawing of your blessings and the loss of well-being and that, that you have granted me and the soundness that you have given to me. This is an asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect from his displeasure. These are the du'as of the Prophet ﷺ that he taught us. And one of the du'a that we should all read is a du'a by Anas radiallahu an. He said that the Prophet ﷺ used to say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-baras wal-junoon wal-juzdam wa min sayyil asqam. And if you do not know the Arabic, at least you read the English. You say, Oh Allah, I seek refuge with you from leprosy, from insanity, from paralysis, and from any evil diseases. This is a sound hadith of the Prophet. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-baras, wal-junoon, wal-judham, wa min sayyil asqam. You ask, Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from leprosy, from insanity, from paralysis, and from any evil diseases. You see, one of the scholars he explained that it wasn't just sickness in general. The Prophet ﷺ mentioned four sicknesses in this, or disorders, or disease in this, uh, in this dua. And it would seem as though when someone gets these type of sicknesses, people want to stay far away from them. If you think about leprosy, what is leprosy? It's literally when your skin falls off of itself. When someone goes crazy, they lose their mind. When someone becomes paralyzed, Yes, somebody may help you for an hour, two hours, but who's going to help you for 24 hours, 365 days in the year? And the last one, of any ill diseases, people don't want to you know, quarantine you if you have a disease. So the, 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 the scholar, he said that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned these specific ones, because not only are you affected, but those around you are also affected with these. My dear brothers and sisters, we must be thankful. Thankful for what? You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with so many different things. And if we're even to try to count them, we'll never be able to do so. And yes, you may pass by someone that's going through some hardship. You may pass by someone that's going through some difficulty, some sickness, some disorders. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever 
comes upon someone that's suffering, they should say, Alhamdulillahi alladhi aathani mimma abtalaka bih wa faddalani ala kathira mimman khalaqa tafdila. Even if you're walking by someone that is going through certain difficulties, you say, praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who has kept me away from these types of sickness. Thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And yes, making dua for your brothers and your sisters in difficulties is a very, very, it is a connection that we can make for our brothers that is suffering across the world. From ourselves and our community and for those who are sick. See, the, the, the angels, when you make a dua for someone that is sick without their presence, and you're making a dua without them knowing, Allah, the angels make that same dua for you. So somebody is sick somewhere and I make dua for them without them knowing, just make dua for them. Allah will say, Ameen, and the same thing for this person. So you make dua for the ease of people, you make dua for them to be alleviated from their torments and their trials and their tests, and the angels will make that same dua for each and every one of us. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taught us in many places in the Quran and through the teachings of the Prophet even when you leave your home, even when you're tying your shoe, you put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So no matter how difficult we may see a situation, they may not have a solution at the moment. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ultimately has all solutions. So it doesn't matter whether they're going to get it or not. It's about us putting our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trying our best and putting our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, beside these precious athkar, our common sense. Someone is sick, you know to put on a face mask, you know to wash your hand. As our deen teaches, how many times a day do we make wudu? How many times a day do we wash up our, our hands and our face and our body? Every time we use the washroom, we leave the washroom, wash your hands before you eat. This is, these are things that our deen taught us. Let us apply them into our lives so that we do not get ourselves sick and get other people sick as well. And one of the ways of cleansing yourselves from sins and from mistakes is giving in charity, is donating in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A way of cleansing yourself of sins is asking and praying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A way of cleansing your sins is giving sadaqah, is providing for those that are not able to get as much as you are able to get. So one of the things that you could do is number one, start off by making these adhkar. And yes, you probably would not have memorized them through the, the duration of this khutbah. Alhamdulillah, the advent of our phones, they're all on there. In the, on the dua apps, you just go on there and type in the morning dua and you will find them. The authentic ones are there. Read them in the morning, read them in the evening. That's number one. Number two, try to spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, especially for those people that are not having it like we are having it, help them out of our brothers and our sisters. And you will be amazed that what we may think that is something that is poor and we may think that we're going through hardship, people are wishing to be in our shoes. People are wishing that they were in our shoes, but the, the difficulties we may call difficulties. So think about others before we think about, oh, I want more, I want more, I want more. Think about those who are in need. And obviously, donating to a center, donating to a masjid is meritorious, it's very much rewarded you give some charity you give some sadaqah for the building of a masjid a building of a school it is very meritorious and we urge each and every individual if you have the ability if you have the wealth you give it in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you will find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will put back so much more in your life when it comes to the barakah the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
No one could put that in your wealth except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No one could put that in your life except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Put your trust in Allah and Allah will be enough for us. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us and to shower us with His mercy, to protect us from any sickness and illnesses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, Inna Allah wa malaikatuhu yusalluna ala nabi. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. Kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majeel. Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad. Kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majeel. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana wa fi al-akhirati hasana. We ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, through all your beautiful names and attributes, we seek refuge in you from leprosy. We seek refuge in you from insanity. We seek refuge in you from paralysis and from any evil disorders and diseases. We ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for any of our brothers and sisters going through any pains and suffering in the world, any sickness and disorders, we ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to alleviate them from their sufferings and their hardships. We ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to guide us to what is right, to bless us with wisdom, let us be wise in what we say and what we do. We ask you, Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to show us truth as truth and help us to follow it, and show us falsehood as falsehood and help us to stay away from it. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower his mercy and his protection unto us all. In trialing moments like we're in, sometimes it is hard to find ourselves. And if we reflect on the prophets of Allah and the messengers that He sent, you would find that trials and tribulations were many. You would find that the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was always near for those who ask for it. And through all of our ibadah and our acts of worship, it's actually a way of hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is instilling in our hearts that with all that is going on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is still there for us. With all that is going on, our aim, وَمَا خَلَقْتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ Our worship is still there for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by us doing our part, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He shows us Truth is truth and help us to follow it. And he shows us the falsehood and it's falsehood and help us to stay away from it. We're going through the last few days of the month of Rajab. Then there's going to be Sha'ban and then Ramadan. And before we speak about the month of Ramadan, there was an amazing journey that took place in the life of the Prophet wasallam, according to many of the scholars of Sirah that took place in this very month of Rajab. And as we're going through it, and that's all that's going on around us, I think it is necessary for us to reflect on this story so that we could understand the bounties and the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has bestowed upon us. And that journey that I am speaking about is no other than the journey of Al-Isra and Mi'raj. It was the night journey that the Prophet ﷺ had, and he had the ascension through the heavenly bodies. The Qur'an, it talks about this special journey. 
in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi laylan min al-Masjid al-Harami ila al-Masjid al-Aqsa alladhi barakna hawlahu linuriyahu min ayatina innahu huwa as-sami'ul basir Glory be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who did take his servant on a journey by night from the sacred mosque to the farthest mosque whose presence we sanctified in order that we might show him some of our signs. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is he who hears and sees everything. My dear brothers and sisters, this significant and great event took place more than 1400 years ago, over 14 centuries ago. At that time and in our very time, you would find that there were skeptics, there were critics, to dismiss this amazing miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Prophet How can someone travel hundreds of miles in one night and then claim that to have even traveled through the heavens to even to the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then as now the true believers have the same answer. He who created the heavens and the earth out of nothing can do whatever he pleases. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just has to say, Kun fayakun, be and it is. He can part the ocean and save the followers of Musa alayhi salam, while at the same time, the same ocean would be a devastation for Pharaoh, will bring the death to Pharaoh and his people. He can cause a flood. He could cause a flood to destroy the earth while saving Noah He can turn to the roaring flame that are, if we were to touch it, we would be burnt. But when he says, be cool to Ibrahim, that fire was cool. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can change the properties and the behavior of any parts of his creation. He, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is not enslaved by natural laws that he himself wrote. He is the one that created it. He is the Khaliq al-Kulli Shay. He is the creator of everything. He can edit and do as he pleases. And that is why we have a strong belief that yes, with all that we're able to do, we must put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We must put our tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the beginning, in the middle, in the end, throughout our entire life. Do your part and put your trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A man was once asked, Can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala pass a camel through the eye of a needle? And the answer was, not only can Allah pass a camel through the eye of a needle, if he decide to put the whole dunya, the world that we are in through that eye of a needle, that is easy for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Centuries and hundreds of years ago, this might have seemed whimsical. But nowadays, every scientist knows that if the universe began with a big bang, theory so-called 14 billion years ago, then all those matters and energy, all time and space must have been concentrated in an extremely dense, incredibly small area, smaller than the head of a pin, and certainly smaller than the eye of a needle. Today, every self-respecting scientist believes that. 
but many of them still hesitate to go out and go farther one more step and say this was the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in short, the story of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj signifies three main things. The actual journey, the significance, and the gift that was given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The incident of Al-Isra wal-Mi'raj refers to an amazing journey undertaken by the best of creation, our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. The first part of this journey called Al-Isra refers to the night journey from Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem. We find this mention in the first ayah of Surah Al-Isra that I mentioned. Subhanalladhi asra bi'abdihi laylan min Al-Masjid Al-Haram ila Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. We know about Al-Masjid Al-Haram because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to it in the Quran. Inna awwala baytin wudi ala al-nasi lalladhi bi-bakkata mubaraka wa hudan lil-alameen. The first house established for mankind was that at Mecca. But what is the origin of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa? Ibrahim السلام, had built the Kaaba in Mecca with his first son, Ismail السلام. He had also established a place of worship in Jerusalem. And this place was later known as Bethel, which is the Hebrew language, which has the meaning of the house of Allah. 40 years after the construction of the Kaaba, Ibrahim السلام, expanded the Bethel and called it Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, which means the farthest house because of its far distance from Al-Masjid Al-Haram in Mecca. Both these sacred places are considered holy. They're considered blessed and they're interlinked with one another, making it incumbent upon every single Muslim to protect their sacredness from any intervention, any destruction and occupation. This is an amana or a trust entrusted to the Muslim Ummah. The reference to the second part of this journey, Qal al-Mi'raj, we could find Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about it in Surah Al-Najm, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَى عِنْدَ سِدَرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَى عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَى إِذْ يَغْشَى السِّدَرَةَ مَا يَغْشَى مَا زَاغَ الْبَصَرُ وَمَا طَغَى لَقَدْ رَآ مِنْ آيَاتِ رَبِّهِ الْكُبَرَى This part of the surah explains to us the ascension, the rising of the Prophet ﷺ, the second part of this journey, when they passed the special tree near which there's a garden of, of, of abode, when the low tree was covered in a mystic splendor, the Prophet ﷺ, I did not waver, nor did he look away. He saw some of the greatest signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some people claim that all the events of the Isra and Mi'raj took place in a state of a dream. But this is not the case. The Prophet ﷺ experienced them with his body and soul. Had this been merely a dream or something that the Prophet ﷺ experienced while he was sleeping, the disbelievers, the Quraysh, would not have had difficulty accepting it. They would not have asked, how could you have traveled to Jerusalem last night and be with us in Mecca this morning? What is the background of this Isra and Mi'raj? You see, during the 10 years of Mecca, during the 10 long years of the Prophet ﷺ preaching in Mecca, 
the Prophet ﷺ and his companions and the small community of believers were subjected to all kinds of humiliation, all types of abuse, all types of imposition of economic sanctions and boycotts and the list goes on. As if this was not enough, following the death of his uncle Abu Talib and his beloved wife Khadija radiallahu anha, both of whom had been supported of him to the utmost, there was plots to now go and eliminate the Prophet There was now plots to go and to kill the Prophet Prior to the journey of the Isra and Mi'raj, the Prophet had displayed great patience in the face of hardship. It is one of Allah's wisdom that he bestowed his gifts accompanied with hardship. You see the time that we're living in right now, this hardship that we're going through, my dear brothers and sisters, let us understand and believe in the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which he says, Inna ma'al usri yusra, with difficulty comes ease. This difficult time that we're going through right now, there is ease in it. Perhaps it is a way of calling us back to reflecting upon ourselves. Perhaps we may never understand the true wisdom, but we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us a way out and to make our hardship a way of us cleansing our sins and let us go get through these hardship with ease. For verily you have said, in the mal yusra. So then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about His gifts accompanied by hardship. As He tells us, they, the Prophet and the companions, they experienced hardship and they went to such a point when they would say, when will the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come? And truly Allah's help and assistance is always near. At the end of the Prophet's life, the Messenger of Allah said that the worst treatment that he had ever received was his violent rejection at the hands of the people of Al-Ta'if. You see, after preaching so long in Mecca and going through all those difficulty, the Prophet sought another place to give this da'wah. So he went to Al-Ta'if and inshallah we will do another entire episode on Al-Ta'if. But right now we're glancing over it and this is where he went to Ta'if and the people physically pelted him out. And after he was pelted out, he made a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he cried out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he complained to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And to pacify the Prophet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to this dua in a way he had never responded to any of the previous duas of any of the people on this earth in a very unusual way. He called the Prophet to his divine presence. This, my dear brothers and sisters, is the background of what took place. So, in summary, the Prophet was going through hardship in Mecca. His uncle had died. His wife, the first believer, passed away. And he was rejected from another place. He was trying to do da'wah. And the Prophet ﷺ called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala replied to him in a way which he had never replied to any of his other servants' dua. It was during the period a year or so prior to the hijrah that one night the angel Jibreel asked the Prophet to mount a white winged horse-like creature named Al-Buraq. The Buraq took him to Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in Jerusalem where there were the gathering of all the prophets from Adam to Isa ibn Maryam and all of the prophets were there and our Prophet Muhammad led them all in prayer as a token of confirmation of being the seal of all prophets and messengers sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the Prophet and Jibreel began the final part of the journey up to the heavens. And this is known as Al-Mi'raj. While traveling upward towards the destination, As-Sidrat Al-Muntaha, the Prophet met Adam, Yahya, Isa, Yusuf, Idris, Harun, Musa, and Ibrahim at each of the seven heavenly bodies and stations as they affirmed and expressed faith in his prophethood. At Sidrat Al-Muntaha, the Prophet witnessed the much frequented house, Al-Bayt Al-Ma'mur, a replica of the Kaaba that is on earth where it is in heaven, where the angels perform tawaf around it, engulfed in the glory and light of the divine presence, the Prophet experienced an incredible happiness, joy, bliss and delight. The Prophet and his followers and all of us were then given the gift of 50 prayers a day which were later reduced to five as we know. But the reward of the five prayers that we do is equivalent in reward to that 50 prayers. In a hadith in Al-Mustad of Imam Ahmad, the Prophet ﷺ said, when I went up on the journey of Al-Isra Wal-Mi'raj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me three things. He commanded me to pray five times a day. He gave me the last two ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah and he promised me that anyone from my ummah who did not do any major sins would be forgiven and go to paradise. This does not mean that no believers will enter hell. It is, rather it means that anyone that says la ilaha illallah will eventually enter into paradise. If there are sinners, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from the hellfire and to grant us and our families jannah to firdas. But if someone has sins in them that is left, then there will be a cleansing process and then they will be put into paradise. My dear brothers and sisters, the gift of a salah was a gift given to mankind where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not send down the revelation and say, go and now pray. Rather, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised the Prophet sallallahu to him and gave him this gift of salah. And you see, we have many excuses at times that we do not have time. We're too busy. We're too this and we're too that. But my dear brothers and sisters, our salah is of utmost importance. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make all of us among those who offer our five daily prayers. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it from us. But the importance of this salah cannot be overemphasized. The importance of our connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through our prayers could not be overemphasized. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, yes, we are going through some tough times, 
But with these kinds of difficulty, my dear brothers and sisters, there is going to be ease. We do our part. We put our trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And just like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how he went through those difficult times. We too are going to go through difficult times, but we're never going to face any of the types of scenarios that the prophets had because the most tested people were the prophets and messengers. We're going to go through some trials and tests. But my dear brothers and sisters, know for a fact that if you have true belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, true tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, true faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is a way out for each and every one of us. I humbly advise myself and all of you, go back and read about the seerah of the Prophet Go back and learn about the life of the Prophet Go back and understand the beauty of this journey of Al-Isra Wal-Mi'raj. Go back and understand that this is a time to reflect when Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala give us these tests and these trialing moments, it's a time for us all to reflect. I ask Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to guide us and to shower us with his mercy. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us and our families and the Muslim ummah. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate us from this trials and tribulation that we're going through. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us all and to grant us all Jannatul Firdaus. My dear brothers and sisters, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن ولا ما بعد my dear respected brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to guide us to what is right shows truth is truth and help us to follow it and shows falsehood is falsehood and help us to stay away from it أمين يا رب العالمين on this blessed day of Jum'ah, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to shower us with his protection, to grant us ease in these times of difficulties, and to grant us and our family genital firdaus. Amin ya rabbil alameen. We were reflecting on the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, in which Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu an reported that he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, O Messenger of Allah, which people are tested the most severely? And the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, they are the prophets, then the next best, then the next best. A man is tried according to his religion. If he is firm in his religion, his trials will be more severe. If he is weak in his religion, his trial is according to the strength of his religion. And the servant will be continued to be tried until he is left walking upon earth without any sins. As we said last week, that we will look into the lives of the prophets and messengers and look at the trials and tests that they went through and see some lessons we could extract from their lives so that we could put it in our lives as well. And today I will start with the very first man created, that is Prophet Adam alayhi salam. We're not going to go into the details of the story of Adam alayhi salam. Rather, we will jump directly to some of the lessons we learned from his life and how we can put those lessons, those valuable lessons, and practice them in our lives. The very first of the lessons that we can learn from the life of Adam salam is that Shaytan, Iblis, is our worst enemy. Right when Adam salam was created and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the, the angels along with 
the Iblis to bow down to Adam السلام, out of respect, Iblis said, I am better than him. And at that point, and from that point, rather, he took it an oath that he is going to distract mankind from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here we find that Adam السلام, and his wife Hawa, when they were put into paradise, when they were put in Jannah, there was a certain tree that they were forbid, forbidden from touching. However, shaitan came after them, came after them until they ate from that tree. He did not start off by telling them directly they are going or go ahead and eat from that tree. Rather, he made that tree so appetizing, so tempting that it led Adam السلام, and Hawa to eat from that tree. And this is something that we have to recognize that our worst enemy is Iblis is the shaitan and that is why when we ourselves we get a thought an evil thought a temptation and this is going to happen to each and every individual we're going to be tempted with so many different things from the point we get the thought we should right away reflect upon that thought is it from shaitan is it something that's going to bring me benefit or is it something that's going to bring me harm and here we find that we have to be sincere about it we have to be honest to ourselves. We cannot justify our actions because everyone else is doing it. That makes it right. No, we have to do what is right based on the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu based on the Quran and the teachings of the Prophet Sallallahu Yet another one of the lessons that we learn from the life of Adam is the importance of repentance. So after Adam السلام, and Hawa, they ate from that tree. They were tempted. They were led down the path to eat from it. They ate from it. And then they were sent into this world. When they were, they committed that sin, they called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by saying, Rabbana ظلمna anfusana wa illam tawfir lana wa tarhamna lanakunanna min al-khasirin. They accepted that they did something wrong. They cried out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they said that verily if you do not, Rabbana ظلمنا, verily we have wronged ourselves. And فُسْنَا وَإِلَّمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا If you do not forgive us and have mercy on us, we'll be among the losers. The first thing they did was they recognized that they did something wrong. And they called out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in sincere repentance. And this is something for you and for I as well is that when we do something wrong, we have to recognize that we have done something wrong. The very first step to that tawbah is to recognize that we have done something wrong and then turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask for that forgiveness. Because the very opposite, which is arrogance, that we saw on the end of shaitan, that we saw on the end of iblis, we saw which path he led or he was let down because of his disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he did not recognize that he did anything wrong. Rather, he continued with that wrong, even asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for life till the end of time so that he could come and distract us from the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So be sincere with our repentance. And at the same time, same time, do not be arrogant when it comes to asking Allah, when it comes to reflecting on our mistake, when it comes to accepting that we have done something wrong, let us not be arrogant about that. Another point we get is that we should have true faith and belief and hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see, when Adam alayhi salam and Hawa was sent to this earth, it would have sounded to 
all of us that it is the most horrible disappointment that ever happened. And in spite of that, we could see some beauty in that, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had a plan, which was that our race, the human race, would continue to inhabit this earth. And thus, here we are today, all because of the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we're going through some trials and tests, but we go through trials and tests in order for us to recognize when we are in happiness. See, if you are healthy your entire life and never witness a sickness, then you would never know what it means to be sick, or rather you would not appreciate fully what it means to be healthy. And the same thing when it comes to the ongoing life of success and happiness. If there's no test and trial, then we would not really understand and appreciate what it really means to be happy. You see, when the angels ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, why is he going to put this people, this human race on this earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply said to them, Qala inni ma la This life that we have is a test. This life that we have is a test. And we are currently in, in, an, in an exam room going through these trials and tests. And it's never fun going through an exam, even in our school, even in our classes. It's never fun studying for it, but rather we love the results at the end of it. If we get an amazing grade, we're super happy, we're, we're amazed, we're ecstatic. We go and brag to our friends and we say, you know, this is what I got because we're happy after that test, after we have completed that test, we enjoy the victory, we enjoy the results from that test. And that is why when we read the life of Adam السلام, and he was put into this world, this was the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we will be on this earth and we will be tried through many ways as we are being tried at the moment in so many different ways. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for all of us. So. It is very important that we reflect on the lives of these, these prophets because they were the ones that were tried the most. If we think we're going through some trials and tests, we will go through many of the prophets, as many as we could in this time period, and we will try to analyze what they went through and how they reacted. Here we saw Adam السلام, and Hawa, after they committed their mistake, they turned back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there are a few things we have to pay attention to. See, both Iblis and Adam السلام, both of them, they committed a mistake. We could say they both sinned in a type of a way. But what was the reaction of them? You see, Iblis was devastated only because of the, the following. He did not confess his sin. He did not regret what he had done. He did not criticize himself for doing something wrong. He did not repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he then lost hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whereas when we look at Adam alayhi salam, just at this part of his life, he found that happiness, he found that hope because he confessed, confessed that he did something wrong. He had a strong regret that he had done that wrong because he said, if you do not forgive me and have mercy on me, if you do not forgive us and have mercy on us, verily we'll be among the losers. And then he criticized himself for doing that wrong. He then turned and repented to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what truly brings about hope in each and every one of our lives. When we may think that we are being tested with so many trials and tests at that moment, Yes, we're going through some type of test. Yes, 
on a daily basis, the minute we're put into this world, until we leave this world, it's a trialing ground. And we have to try our best to do what is right. Do our best to do what is right and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us along that path. You see, in each one of our raka'ah, each one of our salah, we have to recite a verse from the Qur'an. And that verse is, Ihdina Siratul Mustaqim. Guide us unto the straight path because we continuously need that guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We continue need continually need that guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because one day we may feel super energetic to do what is good some other days we may feel down but we continue to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that connection to him especially in these moments of hardship we look for that hope in our worship we look for that happiness that khushu when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and only through the remembrance of Allah do our hearts find tranquility? I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to be among those that when we wrong, that we recognize that we did something wrong. We acknowledge that we have done something wrong. And we ask Allah for forgiveness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from arrogance. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to continue to let us put our hope in Him. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to what is right. Share with us His mercy and grant us and our families. والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين